chapter 4, as we continue in our series, Unshakable Faith. As we see that all the things around us crumble and fall and toss back and forth in the wind of our culture, it seems like every time you turn on the news, you can see one more reason why it appears to be things are just coming undone. But yet there is a constant rock, there is a foundation for all of us, and we're going to look at another aspect of that. Last week we unpacked the certainty of our God-given freedom to make choices in life. And right along with that, we also observed that left to ourselves, we inevitably make very bad choices, very wrong and evil choices. The good news is that you and I don't have to make choices by ourselves. We can count on the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God that makes a difference in every decision we make and in our life as a whole. And in shaky times, it's good to know that we don't have to have all the answers. God's wisdom is available to all of us every day for every situation, for every follower of Christ. It's not just for some people on special occasions or at certain key moments of life. Every single day we can tap into his wisdom. So as we begin to look at this and study this tonight, let's, let's define what this wisdom is. In your notes, uh, I would suggest that we look at a working definition for God's wisdom, and then we're going to look at Pastor John's counsel in this fourth chapter of his first letter to the church. And jot this down. Wisdom, the God-given ability to perceive the true nature of a matter and to apply the will of God in that matter. For the sake of our our time tonight, that's what we're going to be defining wisdom as. The God-given ability to perceive the true nature of a matter and to apply the will of God in that matter. That's going to become important to us because how we define wisdom will determine if we have received wisdom and will determine if we are actually using wisdom or if we are wise. Now, notice that there are two parts to this definition. The first part is developing the ability to perceive, comprehend, to see the way the truth really is. The second, wisdom is the ability to take this correct knowledge and to apply our life to it and more appropriately apply it to the very will or the the desire that God has for us. Wisdom involves both correct understanding and comprehensive application. Pastor John and And this epistle uh, instructs us about God's wisdom in chapter 4, verse 1. Look at it with me. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. From our definition, let's first learn what perceiving God's will is all about. In verse 1, John admonishes us to test the counsel we are receiving. I suggest there's there's two reliable tests whereby we can accurately perceive whether it is something of God or something of evil. The first is this, to test the the test of God's written word. The first thing we can do to, to see if this is of God or not is to look at the test of God's written word. When you need wisdom, when you need to discern about a matter, the first question to ask is, does it square with the teaching of the Bible? 
Now, as we dive a little bit deeper into this, uh, it's important to remember this wisdom is an anchor for us. This is something that can bring a, 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 a strong foothold and some comfort and also some confidence in the midst of things that are going awry around us. This is not just read your Bible every day and it's just kind of a little bit of medicine you take to just kind of keep you healthy. There is some very real help and very real wisdom that comes from studying God's Word. Does this decision I'm about to make, does this opinion, does this portion of life square with the teaching in the Bible? David reminds us that God's Word is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. The book that you hold in your hands, the the text that we hold is God's Word is a manual for our life. It's a map for the journey of our life, and it's the plumb line to keep all things straight in the path that we are building. Now, most everyone here today believes in the Bible. In fact, our culture has a lot of interesting beliefs in Scripture. In a recent survey, 60% of adults said they believe the Bible to be completely accurate in everything that it says. 60%, that's more than what I would have guessed. However, often, this number of 60%, 75% of them believe the Bible teaches that God helps them who help themselves. That's nowhere to be found in Scripture. 65% of that 60% believe that the Holy Spirit is merely a symbol of God's presence, nothing more than just a symbol. And 58% of that 60% believe that Satan doesn't really exist. So what this says to me is there's a lot of people who say they believe the Bible, but a lot of ignorance among Christians or among people who claim to be Christians about what the Bible really says. To get wisdom, I must know God's word. The majority of God's wisdom for your life is already contained in his word in the Bible. But to get God's wisdom, you've got to get God's word into you. There's a second test that John talks about. I want us to look at that. It's the number two on your outline. The test of God's living word. Look at verse 2 and 3 of 1 John chapter 4. This is the way to find out if they have the spirit of God. If a prophet prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ became a human being, that person has the spirit of God. If a prophet does not acknowledge Jesus... That person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is going to come into the world, and he is already here. In essence, if you're confused about some kind of teaching, simply ask yourself, does it square with the Jesus of the Bible? There are a lot of unbiblical ideas about who Jesus is. A lot of them are floating around, and they're popular, but they are not the truth. The only way to know if something is absolutely true is is take it up against the test. Is this square with the Jesus of the Bible? In John's day, there were people who taught that Jesus was not fully God and fully man, the God-man. Most theological errors, I would argue, come from a faulty understanding of who Jesus Christ really is. The New Testament consistently teaches us that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man, the God-man. You might want to jot down a couple of these chapters for future study this week. These passages are good to meditate on when we want to understand who Jesus really is. The New Testament and some classic Christological passages. Ephesians chapter 1. 
Colossians chapter 1, John chapter 1, and Philippians chapter 2. As we study this, we begin to see who Jesus really is. It helps us see what is true and, and how does this situation or this decision square with the Bible? How does it square with Jesus of the Bible? Your correct understanding of who Jesus is, is a vital concern to if you understand what is truth in your life. So if you want to make it to some wise decision, we need to get wisdom. If I want to get wisdom, I must follow the example of Jesus. Now this is important for us because God's wisdom looks like Jesus. And so if I want to know how to live, or if I want to know how to make a decision, the reason I asked is it square with Jesus of the Bible is he's already given us an example of what obedience looks like. Often I'll meet people who say, I, I really want wisdom. And sometimes they will ask questions like, what does the Bible have to say about blank? And, and sometimes scripture is very clear and you can find a specific verse that will speak about blank subject that they brought up. But but oftentimes there may not be a verse that speaks directly to it. There's a principle that applies. And, and sometimes it is a little bit challenging to find a principle that applies. And it's as, almost as if they love it when there's no principle that they can directly apply. Because it's, if God is silent on it in his word, then therefore it must be okay. If God doesn't speak about it, then it must be fair game for me. But yet we are not really wanting wisdom. We're wanting permission to do what we want to do. And so often people will say, I want some wisdom. I need to know what is right, what I should do. But I don't really want to live that way. I want God's wisdom, but I don't want to have to do His will. To get wisdom, I must follow the example of Jesus. Another example, we see this, is, is Jesus was merciful and forgiving. Likewise, God's wisdom comes to those who are merciful and forgiving. Unforgiving people will never fully get the wisdom that God gives because we have to live like Jesus to receive the blessing of what God gives. And trying to hold on to bitterness and trying to do things in the wise way that God gives us will have an internal conflict and something will begin to clog up the spiritual engine in our life. Another example, Jesus produced good fruit. Likewise, God's wisdom is characterized by good fruit. Jesus himself said, by their fruit you will know them. We can't always determine a person's motive, but we can see the fruit of their life, and that takes some time. And, and so if I want wisdom, I want to hang on to wisdom, but I don't want to have the fruit of God in my life, then there's going to be a disconnect. What does the Bible say about it, and what does Jesus of the Bible have to say about it? The second half of that definition of the God-given ability to perceive what is true, it's also applying God's will in our life. Let's look at verse 4 through 6 of 1 John chapter 4, specifically looking at how we can apply the wisdom to God's will in our life. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won your fight with these false prophets. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. These people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God. That is why those who know God listen to us. If they don't belong to God, they don't listen to us. That's how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. 
In these verses, John repeatedly talks about belonging to and knowing God. God's wisdom is found from Him, through Him, and by Him. Don't go looking for God's wisdom in the world. Don't just try to find it anywhere. It's got to be rooted in Him. Here's three ways that I want to quickly bring to us how God's wisdom can be in our life by applying His will in our life. First, listen to God's voice. We just heard a testimony from a sister about this. And and sometimes we can be about our own prayer agenda, but if we would stop and say, God, is, is there something you want me to pray about? Is there something that you want to say to me? See, prayer is more than just rattling off my wish list to God. It's also hearing from God. It's also hanging out with God. Being with God. Now ask yourself the question, are you developing a life of prayer? Prayer is first and foremost getting to know God. Communicating with God. To get wisdom, I've got to hang out with God every single day. That's what prayer is and that's where wisdom comes from. Now look at James 1, 5 and 6 with me. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And here's the critical part. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. He who doubts is double-minded, unstable in all that he does. Anyone who lacks wisdom, just call upon God and he'll give it to you. If, If I'm wanting wisdom and I'm wanting to follow in God's path of what he gives to me, I need to understand that this is not a needle in a haystack thing. I'm not trying to trivialize whatever challenge you have before you. I'm not trying to say it doesn't matter. It's not that important. Uh, If you had the time and if I had the time for you to share all the things that you were facing today, I'm sure that it would grip me as well as it grips you. But this isn't a complex thing where we've got to come up with some kind of secret code and punch in the buttons and hope That God's will pops out of the vending machine. It's as simple as calling out to God. God, would you give me wisdom? And when the prayer is prayed with a heart that intends on being obedient, God will generously, abundantly, faithfully pour out His wisdom to do His will. Now, if you want wisdom to do your will, that's something completely different. But if you want wisdom to do His will, He freely and abundantly will pour it out to you. How do we do this? How do we apply that in our life? First, listen to God's voice. As our sister testified tonight, we begin to find ourselves in situations where we may not know exactly what to say. But if I'm, if I'm listening to God, He will tell me what to say. He'll tell me when to be quiet and when to speak. I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about the difference between a map and a compass. I'd rather have a map. In my GPS on my phone or in my car, I like the feature that lets me skip the current direction and skip ahead to see the future turns. I just kind of want to see what's coming ahead. I want to know, am I going to be on this for a long time? Or is there going to be a restaurant that I like across the path somewhere? And so I want to skip ahead and see. And, and maybe I don't like the path and I may still get to the same destination. I may re- reroute the trip to, to make sure it goes by things that I want to go by. But God often doesn't give us a map of every turn-by-turn direction in advance. 
He often says, here's a compass. I'm your true north. You just keep moving north. Well, that, that takes a whole lot more looking at the compass and, and, and checking over and over and over. Prayer is a way for us to stay in tune with God. And wisdom comes when I say, God, where are you? That's where I want to be. Wisdom comes through the prayer of faith. We get God's wisdom when we listen to his voice and we act on what he has said. That leads us to the second aspect of applying this knowledge to the will of God. It's number two, obeying God's word. To get wisdom, I've got to obey what God has already told me. At this point in the the message, it begins to feel a little bit different if we're thinking of all the turmoil in the world around us and in this rock that we have of wisdom, if it's something that we can collect and control, we feel we've got some kind of security. But this is not so much about what I gain, it's more about what I give to the one who has control. And so my confidence comes not in in the knowledge that I have myself, but it comes in the one who has all knowledge and my ability to hear him and to be heard by him and to obey what he tells me. I'll never forget in in uh, school, when I first started classes in religion, and, and I don't know where I got this idea, I, I thought that we would be studying every book of the Bible. And I began to do the whole map thing and, and chart out the classes that were required for graduation, and, and I, was, I was greatly disturbed that there was no way we were going to study every book of the Bible. How in the world am I going to be prepared? And, and I remember one of my mentors pulled me aside and said, Brady, the point of these classes is not to give you the knowledge that you need. It's to teach you how to learn so you can keep learning on your own. It was, it was a little bit freeing. It's kind of like understanding principles of mathematics. You don't have to have everything memorized, but you have to know how to get to the right answer. You know how to get to the right source. And so when we begin to see that my intent to hear from God and to obey God is not to try to mastermind everything. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is saying, I know who He is and I know who I am. And because I know the difference between God and myself, I'm going to start listening to Him more than I listen to me. Now, this is not in your notes, but it may be worth jotting down. I can't expect God to give me more wisdom if I'm not obeying what He has already said to me. Friend, could it possibly be that God is silent in your life because you want step two and you have ignored step one? Often we don't connect the categories in our life. Well, I've been obedient everything I I could at work and, and I really need his wisdom at work. And yet there's something over here at home where we've been completely disobedient or we've ignored God and our, our not now is really turning into a no God. And these two are connected. Don't expect to get wisdom from God when you've not obeyed what he has already said to you. Jesus' strongest rebuke was to those who knew God's word backward and forward but never obeyed it themselves. If you don't know God's will in some area of your life, it's probably due to a delayed or a delinquent response of obedience to what he's already revealed. The third thought is to follow God's people. Applying this wisdom to the will of God is to listen to God's voice, to obey His word, and to follow God's people. What I mean by that is to to seek counsel from godly men and women, people who know God and who have lived and followed His word. Choose 
those counselors wisely. God's wisdom comes by following God's people. There's an old proverb that I like to remind us of. It's, it's in your handout. It goes something like this. He who doesn't know and doesn't know that he doesn't know is a fool. Avoid him at all costs. He who doesn't know and knows that he doesn't know is a child, so teach them. He who knows and doesn't know that he knows is, is just asleep. Wake him up. But he who knows and knows that he knows is wise. Follow him. When you're choosing somebody to be of counsel to you, choose someone who knows the truth and who is living by the truth, and that can be a guide to you. See, wisdom is it's better caught by an environment of being around those who are following God than to be taught by something that you own or possess or you collect. If you want God's wisdom to be real in your life, hang out with people who also want the same thing. In summary, I want to share some of Chuck Swindoll's acrostics. I'm not really good at acrostics, but it's helpful for some of us to remember that. Listen to these thoughts of how to become a wise person. And he uses this acrostic of sharp. And rapid fire, I'm going to share them quickly, but it, it helps us to, to be a wise person, to become and to continue to be a wise person. First, search the Scriptures daily, Chuck will tell us. Search it daily. You get your news, you get the highlights, but do you get in, input from God's Word first? How much time do you spend in other arenas in your life compared to the time searching the Scriptures? H, hold on to God prayerfully. Give God the best part of your day in prayer. I, I wrestled with guilt for much of my life that my devotional pattern early in the morning was pretty lousy. Until somebody freed me up and said, Brady, let's get honest. The morning is not the best part of your day of who you are. Now, there's something to be said by starting your day off in prayer or praise. But if I'm going to spend significant time giving God my best brain hours, my brain turns on at 10 p.m. Give God the best of your day. Give Him the cream of that time, the best part of the time. Chuck gives us letter A. Accept nothing from man at face value. Remember, because we have abandoned truth, there are a lot of deceived people today who want to give you all kinds of their input, but it's not based on the kind of truth that you need. Accept nothing from man at face value. The R in sharp require proof and documentation. When God calls us to faith, it's not faith without evidence. There's plenty of evidence that He is who He said He is. There's plenty of evidence that He's at work in our life. And so when we are making decisions, seek out the evidence, require proof, and look for the documentation of, of what decision you are making. I should be able to find this in God's Word. I should be able to see how it squares with the life of Jesus. I should be able to see how other mentors in my life speak about this. I should be able to pray and ask God to speak to me in this area of my life. And finally, pursue reputable counsel. Watch somebody's life. Not the person who knows everything, but the person who knows and lives by the one who knows everything. As we close tonight, I want to give a little snapshot of what the men have been 
learning on Thursday mornings and Wednesday evenings in rush hour. We've been looking at this study entitled The Best Question Ever. And our author, uh, Andy Stanley, is sharing with us that God's Word tells us the best question is not what is the right thing to do. It's not what's the most popular thing to do. It's not what is the most profitable thing to do. But, but the best question is, what is the wise thing to do? And there's a, a thought in there that's been really helpful to us, that it's in light of our past experiences, in light of our current circumstances, in light of our future hopes in dreams, we need to run through that filter. What is the wise thing to do? Friend, there's nothing more reassuring in a world that is so ever-changing and fickle and things get outdated so fast and, and you don't have any solid ground to put your feet on than to know that you can have the wisdom of God to set you apart from everything else. It's not just what's okay to get away with. It's not just where is the line here or there, but what is the wise thing to do. Brother, you blessed my heart tonight when you said this morning you were captivated by how good God is again. Could it be that no matter how many days, months, years, or decades that we've walked with God, that we still need His wisdom? We're going to close in prayer. And I want you to think, I'm not going to have you share it with the person next to you or say it out loud. This is just for you. But I want you to get something in your mind. What is the next decision you have to make? Well, what's the next decision you have to make that you need wisdom for? Could I suggest to you today, friend, that if if you're having trouble thinking about where you need wisdom... Let's just start with everything. Maybe we've been making too many decisions in and of ourselves. If God's word is true, which it is, it says, Ask, and he will freely give to the one who intends to obey. Heavenly Father, thank you for my friends who are hungry to grow closer to you. Lord, we do lift you up tonight. We praise you for the fingerprints of your divinity all around us. We are perplexed again and we are enthralled by your greatness, your goodness. We are enticed and wooed to draw close to you and have you even teach us and call to us what to pray about and what divine appointments to take. We thank you for your faithfulness in our life and what you're doing in the ones who we love so deeply like our children and at key times in their lives. And Lord, we confess to you now that we need your wisdom. So Father God, you know what is in our mind. You know what you want to plant into our mind. Would you show us in that situation how it squares with Scripture? How it squares with the very life of Jesus? Would you bring godly counsel around us to speak 
your encouraging word on what is wise in your eyes. And Father, we confess that we want to do life with you and pray and listen to you and we want to obey. And Father, we want to live out your will in our life. Thank you for the freedom and the confidence in knowing that you are the giver of wisdom. You're not wringing your hands hoping that we have memorized things. You want us just to stay close and in touch to you so you can whisper your truth in our ear again. It's with the confidence that you give me tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, I say, let it be so. Amen and amen. Church, thanks for hanging out with brothers and sisters, holding to the teaching that those who have gone before us have given us of Jesus. Can I encourage you, whether you're going out to eat or on your way home or whatever you're going to do next, uh, be conscious about your God talk. Take time to share with someone around you what Jesus is teaching you. Take time to share how a passage of Scripture has encouraged you. If you had a bad day today, let someone speak encouragement of God into your life. Let's get rid of the Facebook fake stuff where we share the good things and hide the rest. Let's be real with each other. So take some time tonight, find someone, and ask them some questions. Get involved in their life. God bless you. You're dismissed.